Hey everyone, my name is Maggie Tang. And I'm Elena Cho. And welcome to Gourmand, a show set on empowering the next generation of food lovers and leaders. Today we're sitting down with Chef Taka Sakaida, chef and partner at Naminori, a Japanese tamaki bar in the West Village. Previously, Chef Taka was a chef at the acclaimed three Michelin star Masa restaurant in New York City. In this episode, we chat with Chef Taka about his upbringing, which involved food, family, and culture, his time at Masa, and also the origins of his new tamaki concept, Naminori, which is honestly one of my favorite restaurants in New York City. Let's dig in. Welcome to Gourmand, Taka. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. Um, so just jumping right in, we wanted to start back with your upbringing and childhood and sort of where you grew up, um, how food might have factored into your family life or just your upbringing in general. Yeah, uh, I grew up in uh, Long Island in a small town called Syosset. And, uh, you know, um, we had kind of a traditional kind of Japanese family household where my mother was a stay-at-home wife and my father was like out, um, out working. Um, and so, you know, uh, family, like having breakfast before going to school and having dinner at the end of the night was like a moment for our family to come together and meet every day. Um, and it was something that was very important to us, you know, uh, just, a, just a time for us to catch up and to, you know, have some, um, you know, just some chit chat and just see how everyone's doing. Um, and so, you know, I, I know that that was uh, something very important to my mother and my father. Um, and they made sure that, you know, even as we got older, that we, you know, didn't kind of drift away from those moments that we can spend together. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, growing up and that experience um, means a lot, right? It's, it's, there's emotional connection to that. It's, it's, having food and sitting down with people is means that th- these are the people that you care about, right? You're just not having and sitting and having, sharing a meal with just nobody, strangers. Um, but, um, you know, um, I think just some certain things in my, uh, in my upbringing, um, I had a pretty full schedule for whatever reason, um, mm-hmm. Even when I was a child, so I got involved in uh, music. So I, I started playing cello when I was seven years old, um, and that was right around the time um, I got into some extracurricular sports activities. Uh, I was in judo from that time also. Um, so, you know, I was going to school, and then my te- my parents enrolled me into private lessons for cello, and then I had like twice a week for judo. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, once a week for judo when I was very young. This was when I was like seven years old. Um, and my mom was just, you know, my, I have an older sister and so she was involved in cello as well. And so my mom was just, you know, hustling and getting us around and, and doing whatever she could to like raise us and give us all the tools that we might need for the future. And I bring up particularly like cello and uh, sports because I feel that especially being in the culinary and the back of house cooking side of the industry, um, there's a lot of parallels that draw from those two disciplines, um, thinking about music and composition and thinking about a tasting menu and how you design music or how you compose music and how you design a menu, or just even simply rhythm, um, how important that is in terms of your knife skills or understanding timing and being able to multitask due to that ability to tell time. 
Uh, and then sports is um, something that I always draw analogies to uh, in terms of training, in terms of discipline, in terms of putting in the work, you know. Uh, a lot of culinary in the fundamentals is just a physical job, right? It's the more practice you put in, the more time, uh, the better you get at something, right? Um, so there's a lot of parallels, yeah. So that's why I brought those up. But uh, that's something I did all the way through until uh, college, um, sports and music. Um, but um, I didn't really get into cooking and thinking about that as a, as a career until maybe I was about 16. And when we were, you know, started thinking about going to college and which, which colleges to apply to, um, you know, I did apply to CIA and Johnson and Wales, um, but kind of being a traditional Japanese family household, um, my parents were kind of like, what are you talking about? You know, like, go, go out and get a real degree. Like, we didn't come and move and become immigrants in America for you to be a cook, you know? Um, and that was kind of their mentality behind it. So um, I ended up uh, going to uh, Wesleyan University, um, a, you know, big liberal arts school that has really nothing to do with culinary. Um, and I was there for about a year and a half. And, um, you know, I just didn't, it just wasn't for me. What even prompted you to want to apply to CIA and Johnson and Wales? Uh, yeah, so back to like, you know, during that age, really going out and starting to like see the, see the restaurant world a little bit more, experiencing food and really thinking about it. Um, I really started to, you know, love it. I, I, you know, I, I just didn't see myself at an office job also. And that was part of like, what can I do for my life outside of that, like working in a cubicle, this image of like office salary man type work. Um, and so it's just something that I was drawn to. And even when I was very little, I was, I think I remember my first, like when I was 10 years old during that time, my, even on the weekends, you know, I would, you know, knock on my parents' door, wake them up and be like, hey, can I go make myself breakfast? You know, when you're a kid, you have to ask permission for everything. So, you know, I was making omelets and things like that when I was 10 years old by myself in the kitchen, you know? <laughs> but, uh, and like making little pizza squares on toast and things like that in the toaster oven. It was just something that I really enjoyed. But even during that time, I, you know, I try to make it taste better. I try to make like a, a different technique or different flavors to bring in. And I just recall that it's just such an, like an enjoyment, right? You can see your fruits of your labor so quickly. Like, oh, I did this thing differently today. And oh, wow, it tastes really great. Or it tastes really bad and you, have, you learn a lesson. Um, so there's something just gratifying about it. But I, I love hearing about that. Um, and what was one of your favorite things you remember cooking with your mom or, you know, eagerly waiting in the kitchen for your mom to finish making? Um, I think one of the, one of my... <laughs> I don't know if it's my best memories, but I remember it for a specific reason, but Japanese have a dish called hambagu. It's essentially, you know, a hamburger patty, but it's not between buns. It's, it's more of a, you could say it's more of a, like a meatloaf, right? Um, but that's a dish that I love to eat. Um, and, you know, she was teaching me the ingredients to put into the, 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 the ground meat mix and you know, I just remember the smell, the aroma of just even mixing the meat and thinking, wow, this is going to taste so good. And, you know, as I was finishing mixing all the meat and making all the patties, I went to the bathroom to go wash my hands. 
and I was just so hungry. I started, you know, licking my fingers of this raw, raw meat. And uh, it, let's just say it didn't end well for me that day. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but, but <laughs> just thinking about how, uh, obviously another lesson learned, like, oh, don't eat raw beef off your fingers, you know, but it was just uh, this memory that's ingrained in me that like, yeah, I really enjoyed being in the kitchen. And, uh, but yeah, I particularly, yeah, that's just such a sharp memory because of different reasons. But yeah, I mean, I love that dish. Yeah, I love that dish. Did you always know you wanted to stick with sushi primarily? I really didn't. Um, you know, I, I think that the, really the impetus, the decision making was that, hey, I need a foot in the door for Japanese family. And my mom happened to know this Japanese chef. Like, honestly, if she had known a French or Italian chef, that's what I might be doing right now. Um, but generally, the way I think and um, the way I approach things is like, you know, no matter what it is, if, you know, you, at the end of the day, you have to commit to something. Um, and just my, this is just my personal feeling. Like if you're just bouncing around, you, you know, you might know a lot of things, but you never become the master of anything, right? This is like kind of a, um, something that we, we hear a lot. So, you know, once I got into that door, once I was there for three years, it was just kind of hard for me to then just transition and like, you know, step aside because now I had some sort of foundation and I didn't want to start all over after the three years. And essentially, that's what you end up doing. Even, even going from restaurant to restaurant, in a lot of ways, that's what happens to people in the back of house, especially because every chef has a different way, different approach, different philosophy of approaching food. So, you know, and that was another reason why when I went to Masa, I was there for about 10 years before I left and kind of started my own project, you know. Wow, 10 years. That's a, that's a long time. Um, why did you decide you wanted to work for Masa? How did you get the job there? Um, so I was there, I was at Nagashima for about three years and I, you know, it was a small kind of local Japanese restaurant. And so again, thinking a little bit, you know, for the future, long-term, I just wanted to see the world a little bit more, see what's out there. Um, but within the Japanese world, Japanese cuisine. Um, and so my girlfriend at the time, she had done some research and she had come back with this Craigslist ad for this place called Masa. I had no idea what it was, but she had, she's like, oh, this place has, you know, New York Times, four stars and Michelin and this and that. And, and during that time, I had no idea what any of these things meant. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that means it's good, right? Like, I don't know, I have no idea. Um, and so she convinced me to go into the city and like we took the Long Island Railroad and, and I, just, I was like in a suit and tie and you know I was so, like so nervous I had no idea what a job interview was you know I'm like a, how old was I at this point I was uh, 20 years old or something you know I've never had like a real legitimate job interview that I actually cared about um, so I went in there took the trip filled out an application they're like oh we need to set up a trail for you and then that was my day um, you know, they took a liking to me, um, but I was very persistent, even with the general manager at the time, I would call and say, Hey, are there any updates? What's going on? You know, what's the status, you know, cause I was just so excited and I just wanted to, you know, get the ball rolling. What was uh, your first, first day like? like, was it like intimidating going from the restaurant you were working at to this like acclaimed wow. sushi restaurant? Like what were your first impressions? 
my first day there, Chef Masa was back. And so I, I sat down and spoke to him and he was kind of smoking a cigar and talking to me <laughs> and, you know, just asking me what, what, I'm, what I want to do in the corner world, what, what I think about my future. And, uh, you know, and kind of like, uh, again, this ignorance. I was like, oh, one day, Michael, I want to be better than you, you know, <laughs> like this young, stupid little kid, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, but I guess he thought it was like, oh, this guy's got guts or something, you know, like, the, and so I guess he kind of was like, oh, but, you, you know, when you look at a little kid who says that, you're like, oh, that's cute, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, so that first day, you know, we got a fish delivery from Japan and like, I've never seen produce this beautiful and like, you know, all this stuff flown in straight from Japan. And, you know, um, during that time, whenever Chef Masa was demonstrating anything, literally the entire kitchen would stop and everyone would go, come around him and just like watch, you know, like, oh, the master's at work, time to learn something. And so he was showing me how to break down uh, squid. You know, this was my first day. And I can see looking around the room, like all the other people are like, what's going on? His first day, Chef Mas is teaching him something? Could this kind of look, you know? And I was like, uh, is this okay? <laughs> like, like, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, you know? Um, but he ended up showing me that. And then, you know, he, he let me, he's like, okay, he showed me a couple. And then I went on and tried it myself. And then at the end of it, uh, I had like made a wrong incision on one of the sides and I like essentially I filleted it wrong like the entire batch wrong <laughs> this was like my first day I was like oh my god you know it's just like what a what a horrendous first impression to make um, but I mean honestly looking back it wasn't that big of a mistake but you know they tried you know obviously everything is exemplified and like um, yeah but that was my first day I, I definitely remember that um, so, but, you know, I, I remember working there in the first couple weeks and just adjusting to the volume and the speed at which everyone was working at. Um, you know, uh, I remember there were days where literally my shoulders were sore the next day because, I mean, everyone at the time was working at 10 a.m. to 12, 12 a.m. schedule, 14 hours a day. Everybody was doing that for six days. And that was just standard. That was just everyone in the kitchen. That was their, their hours. And so obviously the increased hours and then the increased volume, it was just like, even just physically adjusting was, was, uh, was a pain, you know, it was just the growing pains. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just, but I recall that and be like, wow, this is what it's like to work at Masa, you know, <laughs> like feeling the pain in my shoulders and be like, wow, this is, but you know, I, I loved it. I, I, I uh, I kind of, I was like excited about it. I'm like, yes, like, you know, um, again, drawing parallels to sports and things like that. Like, yeah. if you think about, you know, getting better, you, you know, you need to break down the muscles in order for them to grow. And so that was exciting for me, like from my sports background, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm getting stronger, right? Like, yeah. and so really embracing that, I think is also something that really you need to be comfortable with. Like, you need to be comfortable with the pain and understand that that pain brings growth. And that, you know, obviously, ultimately, that is going to help you be better at your job. Yeah. And it sounds like even though you were there for 10 years, like every day you learn something new or like there's always new learning experiences at the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's there's so I mean, even now, right, like there's so much now, maybe it's more it's not necessarily in the culinary side, but even running a business, even, you know, uh, there's always so much more things to do, so much more to learn, which 
it's not just like lives in their own world, right? They all kind of interact with each other and that there's a certain synergy about knowing something else and bringing that knowledge into something else. And, you know, again, referring back to like music and sports and how that's helped me to get into culinary, right? So, you know, just really being able to draw on your past experiences and say, oh, I've done this, something similar to this. How did I approach it then? And kind of using that as a starting point, I think is very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so after spending 10 years at Malsa, what prompted your decision to leave and to kind of embark on your own path? And was that something that you'd envisioned for yourself? Um, there was a time when I was at Malsa where I, you know, I thought that I could be there forever. Um, really during that, you know, I would say, you know, I said, wow, you know, it's, you know, at that point I was like, I've done every position at Masa, Bar Masa. And so I was just looking for like, what's the next thing? And so he had created these opportunities right, for us. Eventually became like the corporate chef. But I was essentially like the number two of the company right under Chef Masa. But uh, towards the end, before, you know, right before I was leaving, you know, I, I started to get a little uh, sick. Um, uh, my body started to break down. Obviously, it was a very high stress job, a lot of hours. I mean, at that point, there were, we, there were, you know, opening restaurants, you know, easily 120 hours a week, you know, to open during the opening weeks. So uh, very little sleep, maybe three hours at the most, working seven days. Um, so, you know, it became a lot. Um, and uh, there was a part of me that wanted to keep going and keep pushing and, and telling myself like, oh, you, you know, like there's this mentality, like, oh, you're weak, you just need to get stronger, you know, <laughs> like, um, uh, but I, I think it took a toll on my body. Um, and, you know, I, I started to develop like allergies, um, skin allergies. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of um, issues. Um, and, I, and I think ultimately that's what led to uh, my gluten problem that I have. And that's the reason why Naminori is gluten-free you know, kind of that mixed in with everything else. I it just felt like it was time that like, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be right for the chef at Masa who couldn't taste the food or felt sick tasting the food to be there anymore. So that had a lot to do with my decision of leaving as well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, ultimately that's kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I think it was just my physical being was like, it's telling me I can't be here anymore, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And how did the concept for Nami Nori come about? Like, I know um, we started the restaurant with G Chef Jihan and also Lisa, who also worked at Masa with you. Yeah. Um, so this is something that Lisa and I, we used to talk about. We brought uh, Lisa on. She was a director of operations at Masa. Um, can't remember, maybe around 2017, 16 or 17, she came onto the team. Um, and so this was something that she, her and I, we would just sit down during our lunch breaks and just kind of like think about different ideas, different topics. And um, her husband is Brazilian. And so in Brazil, there's, they call temaquerias, which is basically temaki bars. And it's hugely popular in Brazil. You know, this was something that she felt like, hey, you know, there's this kind of the second to last piece in the Omakase and Masa is a, Negi Toro, the scaling and Toro piece done in the, the style that at Nami Noi, this kind of U-shaped taco 
um, sushi piece. And she's just like, wouldn't it be great if we just did a whole like tasting menu just surrounding this, this type of thing. And, you know, we were just like started talking about different ideas, how it would look, the look and feel, um, you know, the different possible menu items. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, just like just throwing out ideas. I mean, we probably had like a couple of more ideas, you know what I mean? That never actually made into fruition. Yeah. And what was, so you guys opened in 2018, was it? 2019. 2019. Yeah, October 2019. Yeah. Got it. Um, and what was that like that, you know, those first few months of opening? It was kind of crazy, you know? <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm, you know, I'm not the type of person to kind of think about what it is, what's happening in the moment. I'm just so like, just, you know, driving down the road and just focused on what I'm doing. So I, I don't really have an opportunity to think or feel in the moment. It's only when I kind of look back and reflect on it and I can kind of realize, oh, that's what we did. But yeah, I mean, to be as busy as we were once we opened, I mean, what a blessing, you know? I mean, for them, for people to come together and and take a liking for what we were doing and what we represented. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, how can you not feel like, well, thank you. <laughs> like, um, so, yeah, but yeah, during the time we're so busy, you know, like opening a restaurant again, like 100. Like there were times when Jihan and I were sleeping in the restaurant I mean, that happened, you know, pretty often in the beginning stages. I mean, we would just sit on a chair and take like a nap for an hour and then just get back up and, and start prepping, you know, obviously in the beginning, trying to train new people and, um, you know, get everyone up to speed. It's tough. So at the end of the day, like, you know, you don't want to fail. You don't want to disappoint people. So you, you just have to do it and put in the hours. So, um, you know. Um, but those are like fun memories, you know, those are the things that like, I don't look back and think like, oh man, that was terrible. It's, it's just, uh, you know, it's one of these things where it builds camaraderie. It builds like, wow, you know, you know, it shows each other, like how, what you're willing to do to make this successful. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's very positive. It's a good thing, you know, and unwilling to fail. Right like no matter what needs to get done you get done and really look at it as like this restaurant is like our child you know and you know when you have a baby you're not going to just not take care of your baby because it's crying at three in the morning you're going to get up and take care of your baby and so you really just you if you're not ready to have that level of dedication to a starting business i i think that it's already like your, your likelihood of success is going to be diminished a lot if you're not thinking at that level, you know? Um, and kind of starting to wrap up a little bit, we were wondering if you had any pieces of advice for young people, um, kind of students, people our age who are looking to go into um, food and beverage or hospitality. Yeah, I mean, when I was, um, even when I went to college for the year and a half, I actually was... Um, uh, working at the cafeteria in my university, um, I was like, I would even on Saturday mornings, I would go at 6 a.m. and be like the omelet chef <clears throat> at uh, my local cafeteria and things like that. And so it was just like something that I didn't mind, like not having, not going out on Friday, right, and partying so that I can wake up early on Saturday to go do this job. So it was just something that was just more important to me um, sometimes, right? <laughs> I mean, I still 
had uh, even the year and a half I did have a college experience that was pretty um, pretty fulfilling. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think really ultimately, you know, there's the path of going to culinary school and um, getting a degree. And I think the uh, you know some schools are better than others. I think that's you know true with uh, every institution. Um, but but ultimately, it's really what are you looking to do, and what kind of cuisine are you getting, looking to get into? I mean, if you're really looking to get into sushi and Japanese cuisine, you know, I don't know if culinary school is the right fit. Um, the th thinking and teachings are pretty different in terms of like Eastern Western uh, philosophies. Um, I think that now curriculums are adding some um, courses and classes to include Japanese sushi. Um, and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, really, uh, I would still advocate for find a restaurant that you really love and beg to be working there and be willing to do work for almost nothing and just work hard and work your way up, you know, um, humble yourself. And I, I don't know, I mean, you're essentially, you're working to get education, right? It's, it's more of a barter. Like you're putting in the time to learn and gain knowledge. Um, and in, in a universal setting, the barter is you're paying for that, right? While in a restaurant setting, you're actually getting paid. I mean, maybe not a nominal amount, but you know, there's still that aspect of it. But I would say that education that you're going to get, especially if you're looking to go into Japanese food from a good chef, from an established restaurant, is going to be better than going to culinary school, particularly for Japanese food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now we have a final segment that we like to call the quick fire tasting menu. Um, so we're just going to ask you a series of short questions and love, love to know the first thing that comes to mind. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. The first question is, what's one kitchen tool that you can't live without? A knife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your favorite midnight snack? It's probably like sour gummy candies. <laughs> um, what's the most underrated Nami Nori roll? Ooh, underrated. Oh, maybe the cucumber black sesame. That's, uh, yeah. Um, what's one must have item in your fridge? My fridge. I can think of one in my pantry, in my fridge. What's the one in your pantry? Uh, fish sauce. And then finally, who's a chef um, or someone in the culinary world that's doing something cool that you want to give a shout out to? Oh, um, I'm really a big fan of uh, Susie Cups at 232 Bleecker. She's actually one of our neighbors. But uh, yeah, I really, really like love her food, love her, her approach. Like she does a lot of uh, vegetables and just the finesse and the balance of everything. It's, it's amazing. So if you haven't been, yeah, like shout outs to 232 Baker. Awesome. Noted. I'll have to go because I have never been. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. This was um, just so much fun and so great to hear about kind of your story and background and path through the culinary world. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot of fun. My, this is my uh, first ever podcast, so <laughs> one in the books, you know. 
That's a wrap on our conversation with Chef Taka from Nami Nori. You can find Taka on Instagram at sabatakahama, which is S-A-B-A-T-A-K-A-H-A-M-A. And if you're ever in the West Village, be sure to stop by Nami Nori. As always, you can keep up with all things Gourmand at Gourmand Community on Instagram. Signups are still open on our website for Hindsight 2021, What I Wish I'd Known, a two-day virtual event, April 9th and 10th, that's all about empowering the next generation of women looking to enter the hospitality industry by providing them with tools and mentorship. I'm Elena Cho. And I'm Maggie Tang. And this is Gourmand.